All right, Galatians chapter 5 uh, this evening is where we'll be. And uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been here on Wednesday. And so I'd like to just, again, quickly give you the bird's eye view, overall view of this great little book of the Bible, all right, before we dive into chapter 5, okay? So keep in mind as we come back to Galatians 5 that Paul is addressing the churches that are in the region of Galatia. And he's writing to these churches for this primary reason. False teachers called Judaizers have made their way to the region of Galatia and they've creeped into this area and in these churches teaching a false gospel. And the false gospel was this. They were teaching of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. They were adding rules and rituals to the finished work of Christ in order for these Gentiles to truly be born again. But in teaching this false gospel, they were perverting the true, true and pure gospel of Jesus Christ, Galatians 1 and verse 7. And in turn, what they were doing as they were doing that, they were causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of these dear believers. So all that going on, Paul picks up his pen lovingly, very sternly, and very passionately. He writes to the Galatian believers defending and declaring the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone, and not by the works of the law. Because the Bible says in Galatians 2.16, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So keep in mind, when it comes to your salvation and mine, it is given by grace, it is accepted by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Galatians is teaching. That's exactly what Paul is trying to get at from this book. All right, so that's the overriding theme of this book. As we come to chapter 5 and into chapter 6, keep in mind that Paul transitions a little bit going from his arguments for the gospel to his applications of the gospel. He's going from a more doctrinal stance to practical steps in instructing the Galatian Believers. So over the past few months, as we've been in Galatians 5, that's what we've been seeing is more instruction from the pen of Paul. All right. And one of those very practical steps and practical instructional steps that we've been considering has uh, been found in Galatians 5 and verse 16, where it says this. Look at it with me. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we've been considering this verse and phrase for some time, taking some notes about the verse itself and, of course, the surrounding verses that he's making application, uh, application with. But, uh, but just keep that in mind, all right? That's what we're looking at from this main point, a uh, main verse from this, from this chapter. And by way of remembrance, as we've been looking at this main verse and, and this main point, we've seen from this phrase and from this verse, we've seen this, all right? We've seen that it's a command. To walk in the Spirit is not a suggestion. It's not a verse to just dissect and debate. Rather, it's a verse, it's a command to be obeyed. But the question is, are we? And it's not just when you come to church, but it's day by day, walking with the Lord, walking in the Spirit. But then we saw as we try to walk in the Spirit, there's always this, there's always a conflict. A conflict between the sinful nature we are born with, that is the flesh, and the Holy Spirit, which we are born by, 
And every born-again believer has this battle between the flesh and the spirit, between the old man and the new. And even Paul himself, the great apostle, struggled with this. So understand, you and I are not alone. Amen. <laughs> even the greatest preacher we would consider, the greatest missionary of all time, the apostle Paul, struggled with this very thing you and I struggle with on, and can be on a daily basis. So we saw it's a command. We saw there's a conflict. Then we saw this where we st- were stuck for, uh, let's see, I look back at my notes. I think we started this back in March on this point. Basically what I'm, what I'm showing you, if I had it up on the screen, I'd be showing you the big points. And uh, for the past several months, I've been going through the little sub points of this message. All right. But we saw this. We saw the crop or the cluster of fruit. And the first crop of fruit we came to was the works of the flesh found in verses 19 through 21. And those, uh, that, that cluster of fruit, those works of the flesh, that fruit is rotten. It's nasty. It's repulsive. And it can be absolutely dangerous and destructive. And, but that's the natural fruit of our fallen flesh. And every single person, as you read those verses 19 through 21, is very capable of producing those works in their life if they allow themselves to go unchecked. If they allow themselves to be controlled by their fallen flesh. That's the crop you will have. That's the fruit you will have. But then we begin to look at another crop, another cluster of fruit, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. Now this is the good fruit that's found in verse 22 through 23. This is the good fruit that we want to produce. It's a desirable fruit. Look at it again, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And as I read that fruit and compare it to verses 19 through 21, that fruit in verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, that's some very sweet fruit right there i mean who doesn't want that kind of fruit in our life who doesn't want love who doesn't want joy who doesn't want peace gentleness who doesn't want that i would dare say every person wants that but how do you get it it's not in our fallen flesh but rather it comes as an outgrowth and pouring out of as we walk in the spirit so we've seen the command of it, the conflict of it. We've seen the crop of it. And lastly, the big main point of this whole big message we've started since March, I want to see this. I want to see the conclusion of it. The conclusion of it, all right? So as we consider this, what is the conclusion that Paul is trying to get at through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? What is he trying to tell us to take with us as he concludes this chapter in Galatians chapter 5? All right, look at it with me. Verse 24. The Bible says, Galatians 5, verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Saying it again. Sounds familiar, does it not? Compare 25, verse 25, verse 16. It's basically the same. And verse 26, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one one another. Now from this, from this here, the conclusion of it, the first thing I'd like for us to see and take note of from these verses as we consider the conclusion is this. Number one, continue or keep walking in the Spirit. Keep walking in the Spirit. Look again at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Keep walking. You have a conflict, right? We fail sometimes, do we not? Two of us? Okay, great. I'll put myself in there and make three of us. All right. Uh, yes, we, we fall, we fail, we trip up, we mess up from time to time as we fight in this conflict on a daily basis. I want to start at the beginning. I'm going to start at the end, rather, at the beginning. Keep walking. Get up. Keep walking. Confess your sin. Keep walking. Just keep walking. Keep walking in the Spirit. And again, this word walk here, it means more than just an active motion of moving forward. It's more than just one step in front of the other. All right? It's more than just, just that. It has more along the lines of how to conduct oneself, how to behave oneself, how to do this, how to live. And how are we to live? Walking in the Spirit, meaning this, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with Him. Uh, who here, you've ever walked in the snow? Anybody ever walked in the snow before? All of us have. All right. I remember, especially when I was younger, I remember uh, the blizzard of 93. Anybody remember the blizzard of 93? Oh, yes. Okay, I remember that. I was, let's see, I was 10 years old. Dating myself a little bit there, I guess. Yes, I was young. Still am, 39. Okay, just save you doing the math, all right? But I was 10 years old. And I remember we, opened, we got up that morning and opened the door. We heard there's going to be a little snow, a little snow, and opened the door, and I couldn't. <laughs> the snow drift had blown two foot. It's actually two, two and a half feet where we were up in the mountain, on top of the mountain in Candler, and about two and a half foot, and I couldn't open the door. I said, Dad, I can't open the door. There's so much snow. And he looks out, and he's like, oh, man, we're in trouble. Because uh, they don't come to the top of mountain in Candler to bail you out for nothing, all right? You're on your own. But we were a little bit of trouble. So we walked down to the neighbor's house. They had a nice uh, fireplace, and we knew they'd be warm. They had uh, uh, food, which was my favorite part. I'm glad they had food. And so he said, all right, son, we've got to walk to the neighbor's house. I said, okay, no problem. And uh, the, the, the snow was so deep, Dad actually put his waders on, and uh, I had to follow him. And so how, to, how I had to follow him as a 10-year-old was to walk in his steps. Because if I made my own, I'm probably getting stuck, right? So I had to actually walk in his steps. So every time he took a step, I had to make sure I went into that step. That's the idea here. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in step with him. Following his footsteps. Walking in the Spirit. Staying in step with him him but the question is we know we should but so the question is how we know we should walk with him we know we should follow the leading of the lord we know we should walk in the spirit but how do we do that how do we stay in step with the holy spirit how do we continue to walk well for many of us if you're like me you always want a quick answer to the questions I want an immediate quick answer that fixes the problem i'm a fixer that's how i operate how i think so if you're like me, when somebody asks you a question, how do you do that? You want a quick answer. And if it's not real quick, okay, give me three steps then, and that's all I need to make it happen. But when it comes to this, it's not necessarily a uh, quick, quick answer, nor is it a three-step program uh, that you can take for a day and be done with it. Rather, really, we're going to look at quickly, try to quickly this, this evening, is this. This is more of a lifelong walking, a, a lifelong how-to walk in the spirit 
So how do you do it? Well, this is how you do it. It's simple, but it's lifelong, all right? Number one, you do so, you walk in the Spirit, you're in step with God by doing this, number one, praying. <laughs> told you it's simple. You keep praying. You want to keep walking in the Spirit? You want to keep in step with God? You keep praying. You continue to pray. Keep praying. Let me ask you. Do you think we could ever be in step with God if we never talk to God? Do you think we could do that? Do like this. No. Okay. No, of course not. No, we cannot. We, we can never be in step with God if we never talk to Him. So prayer is not just some spiritual exercise, not just something we do at church. It should be part of who we are, especially if we want to keep walking with the Lord. If we want to keep in step with the Lord, we must keep in communication with the Lord. We must commune with God himself. Do you know what the disciples asked? One day as they're watching the Lord, as they watch Jesus minister, as they watch Jesus do mighty miracles, as they watch Jesus preach, you know the question they had for him? It wasn't, Lord, teach us to preach. How do we preach like you? It wasn't, Lord, we've seen all these things you've done. Uh, how can we do these mighty, miraculous things too? That's not what they asked the Lord. No, what they asked the Lord is this in Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he, as he, that's Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he stopped, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Listen, the disciples, they watched Jesus do a lot of things, and I believe in this moment they watched him pray. They watched the, they saw the very sweet, tender communion he had with the Father and the joy that he had in prayer, the peace that was no doubt just so real in that moment, the very presence of God. They wanted that too. And if there's ever a person who was led of the Holy Spirit, and speaking of his humanity, it is Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So all I'm trying to say this evening is, listen, we, if we want to continue to walk in the Spirit, then we're going to have to continue to pray. Keep praying. Romans 8, verse 26 and through 27, likewise. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So how are we going to keep walking in the Spirit? We've got to keep praying. Let me ask you a question. You ever feel like it? Like you just get up every day and you just feel like praying. Anybody? Like every day I feel like praying every day. Yeah, maybe not until you had at least a second cup of coffee, <laughs> right? Sometimes we don't feel like it. We've got to do it anyway. We've got to keep praying. Just keep praying. You want to keep walking in the Spirit? Keep praying. And then what else do we do? We'll keep doing this. Keep in the Word of God. Continue in the Word of God. Again, do you think we could ever walk in the Spirit if we're never in God's Word? Absolutely not. 
Understand, when it comes to being led of the Spirit, when it comes to, be, to, to walking in the Spirit, the Bible and the Holy Spirit are not contrary. They're not fighting against one another. Rather, they complement one another. I, I remember hearing some people say, well, well, preach, I know what the Bible says, but here's how the Spirit is leading me. Now, I'm not saying a spirit is not leading them, but I am saying it's not the Holy Spirit, all right? If it's, if it's completely against the Word of God, that ain't God leading you, okay? Because they're going to be in step with one another. What is the Spirit and the Word, the Word of God? Because they go hand in hand. You see, in context of John chapter number 6, and verses 41 through 71, if you were to read that this evening... You'll find Jesus was preaching to the Jews as well as others that were there in the synagogue there in that, in that text. But he was comparing the manna from the Old Testament in the wilderness that uh, fell from heaven. He was comparing that that was given to the Hebrews, of course, uh, but comparing that to, to himself. And in that, in that message, in that sermon, he made this statement. He said, I am that bread of life. Now, as he said this, he was letting them know that he too gives life. But not like the manna that gave it temporally, okay? Or just, it was a temporary type, just sustaining their, their, their daily uh, food intake. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about a temporal life. But rather, he's talking about eternal life that he could provide and give. If they'd only come to him as their Savior. And believe on him as their, as their Savior. But after that message, the Jews began to murmur, as they always did. Uh, talk about the preacher, talk about the message, you know, they murmured. Uh, but the disciples were also a little confused in this moment, and as they wondered on it, Jesus took them aside, and Jesus made it very clear to them what he was talking about. And he said this in John chapter 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. He said this, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. So in the text, Jesus was comparing the two, he was comparing, letting them know that the Spirit and the Word are not separate from each other, but rather go hand in hand. They're not contrary, they complement. They go hand in hand. After all, it's the Spirit of God that moved upon the human writers of the Bible to pin down the words of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, Peter said this in 2 Peter 121, uh, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So understand, have complete confidence in your Bible that you have in your laps this evening that it is God's book. It is His breathed Word. It's God-spirited, all right? It is God's Word. Word, it is inspired, and they go hand in hand with the leading of the Holy Spirit. So understand, if we want to continue to walk in the Spirit, we've got to continue to pray. We've got to continue in the Word of God. But are we doing that? Are we in step with the Lord? If not, where, where could it be lacking? In our prayer life with Him? In our reading and studying the Word of God on a personal basis, what, what, what could be lacking if we're not in step with, with the Lord? What else? What else should we be doing when it comes to walking in the Spirit? 
Continue to walk in the Spirit. All right? Keep praying. And keep in the Word. And then do this. Obey it. <laughs> Obey the Word of God. When it comes to the Bible, that's where the rubber meets the road, is when we obey the Scripture. We must obey the Bible. That's what makes all the difference in the world. This makes all the difference in our lives. We must obey the Word. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. Verse 22 through 25, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his Deed. It's really simple. It really is. If we obey Scripture, we will be continuing to walk in the Spirit. But if we are in the Bible, we read it, and we see what God wants of us, yet we say, mm, nah, that's not for me. Then you'll continue in your own wisdom and continue in your own flesh, and we already know where that leads, what that produces. So keep walking in the Spirit. So as Paul is concluding here in chapter number 5, as he says in verse 16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says it again. And be reminded, when the Bible repeats itself, it's not because the writer or God himself who inspired these inspired the Scriptures forgot what he said. No, it's for emphasis, remember. It's for emphasis. And so as he's concluding chapter 5, he's emphasizing it once again. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk, walk in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is really, we, we make it out to be some kind of mystical thing, but it's, but it's not. It's, it's a simple thing. It's, and it's the right thing for every believer to do. If we will continue to pray, continue to be in the Bible, continue just to obey the Scripture. Commit to that. We commit a lot of things, do we not? We commit to, uh, anybody have a job? All right. Anybody ever have a job in your life ever? Okay, everybody raise your hand. Good, okay. Uh, when you go, go to work, you, you have to commit to be there at a certain time, right? Who has to be at work at 6 in the morning? 5 in the morning? Whew, man, that's good. I'm glad. Nick. 8, that's kind of a normal one. All right, 7, some of you. Okay, 9. Uh, anybody don't have to be there until like noon? Cool. Okay. I want that job. No, just kidding. But uh, we commit to a certain time. I got to be at work at this time. Or we have a doctor's appointment. I commit to be at this doctor's appointment at this time. Or we say, I'm committing two or three days a week to try to exercise and, and lose a little weight or whatever. We commit to things, do we not? We do. Why not commit ourselves to a certain allotted time in our day? To pray, to read God's Word, and just simply obey it. Why not? I think it's highly important for every believer to walk in the Spirit. And this is how we can continue to do so. Again, it's not a mystical thing. It's a simple thing. If we'll just simply take the practical steps to do so. So, what are we going to do? As Paul's concluding, are we going to continue to walk in the Spirit? 
We're going to continue doing our own, our own thing. Now, i got two more points. We're out of time, all right? And uh, pretty typical on Wednesday nights, you just have to forgive me, okay? But next Wednesday we'll conclude this message, and we'll look at these two points. When it comes to conclusion, as Paul is telling us, we conclude by keep walking in the Spirit. We conclude by keep the weeds out. All right, yes, I needed a W as I was making this outline. Okay, uh, no, alliteration is not spiritual, it just helps me. All right, but keep the weeds out. And lastly, we've got to remember the why. All right, we'll look at that next Wednesday. And, but today, just keep walking in 